You may be seated, those who are standing, but if you are a mother, I am going to have you stand up once again. Could we acknowledge all the moms here for Mother's Day and give a round of applause? Now, if you did not receive a carnation, you may be seated, moms. If you did not receive a carnation, we have carnations for all you moms. Did any mom not receive a carnation? Good, we got you all. And we have extra, so if you forgot to buy your mother a gift and are going to see her, you can thank us and take her a carnation with a little tag on there again. We are grateful. You're, you're welcome. I'm thinking of you. At the same time, I know as we celebrate Mother's Day, it is also a time that is difficult for many, those who have lost their moms or those moms who have lost their children. Um, we recognize that although it is a time of celebration, it can be a difficult time for those who have experienced the loss, and, and we want to acknowledge that. And I'd like to take a moment and pray for those who are having a difficult time at this Mother's Day. So would you... Bow with me. Father, once again, our hearts come to you, Lord, and we lift up those who have lost their mothers and experienced that loss, Lord, of that one who has loved them so dearly. And Father, for those moms who have lost their children, Lord, there is nothing more difficult. We pray for comfort and peace in their hearts as well. And Lord, we do ask that you would bring healing into those areas and that you would restore, Father, just a spirit that would bring life to them, Father, through the awareness of your goodness and mercy, even in this time where they are aware of the loss. And Father, we also want to take time and pray for Terry, uh, who is battling, Lord, just with her uh, physical ailments, and Lord, who is waiting to hear back results, whether she has cancer or not. Lord, we pray that the answer is no, that there is no cancer to be found and that you would bring health and wholeness to her body and strength to her whole family. And we entrust her to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I encourage you to keep Terry up in prayer um, as we are waiting to find out the test results, uh, if she has lymphoma or not. Again, this would be a return of cancer um, that she uh, had previously and has been in remission. And so we want to continue praying for her. Okay. Well, we are continuing our series, our Crave series. And for the last few weeks, we've been in a conversation talking about things that we as human beings crave and that they are God-given. They're things that God has put within us that drive us, and they're meant to drive us, actually meant to drive us to Him. We've talked about the need for intimacy, and on each of these cravings, we've talked about the dysfunctional side as well as the functional side, and how there is the need to love, the need to be loved, but that need can become very consuming instead of generous in giving. And last week, we, we began looking at, at destiny, this, this craving that we have to have purpose in our lives, to, to want to do something that matters. 
And we are born with this. I mean, children want to be police officers, firemen, presidents. Well, maybe sometimes, you know, there is this desire to achieve. And it's something that drives us. And one of the dysfunctional aspects of this craving for destiny is apathy. This quitting, this wanting not to do really anything, kind of checking out of life instead of checking in. And we talked about Jonah and his apathetic attitude to do what was in his destiny to do, which was to go and bring, really, salvation to a whole city. And instead, he wanted to go the other way, apathetic to the call that was on his life. We, we talked about how if we're not able to celebrate the success of others, that we can become jealous and envious. And pretty soon the destiny of our lives is interrupted by our jealousy for what's happening in someone else's life. And this is things that can take us off track in a dysfunctional way to something that we are driven to do. But we all have a drive and a desire, at least we did at some point in our lives, to want to achieve something. And it's something that we need to continue and to pursue. We talked how the destiny for, or the craving for destiny won't be satisfied in apathy and it won't be satisfied by just being busy but it needs to be satisfied by being busy doing the things that we need to do. So the question is, what do I need to do? Everyone wants to know, what's God's will for my life? Has anyone ever asked that question? Three of you, five? Okay, now you're getting... Okay, God, what do you want with me? What's my purpose? What, what do you want in my life? The desire that God has and God's will for our life. And you know what? I, I think sometimes we make it more difficult than it is. One of the things that we see is in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. It says, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. You want to know God's will for your life? Here it is in a nutshell want justice, desire kindness, and to be humble with your God. As I look back on my life, some of the things that I wish I would have done has been kinder to people. Every few years I'll look back and I'll think, man, I was such a jerk. And if you've known me for a long time, you might be able to affirm that you were a jerk maybe you're thinking that now and i need to in a few years change again you see i don't think there's ever been a time where i've regretted being kind there's never been a time where i've regretted being humble there, there's never been a time where i've regretted wanting to see justice 
And so this is kind of a large overview. If you want to know the will of God, here, here is an idea. It's to, to do what's right. It's to be kind and it's to be humble, not to be arrogant. And, and as we start living out this, we start seeing things change and open up within us. When you're kind, it develops relationships that develop opportunities. Many of the jobs that you have and that I have are because of relationships. Someone got you in. You had a friend, you had a family member who was a part of this department and they opened the door, they put in a good word for you and they said, okay, we'll give them a shot. Why? Because it was that relationship, because of the kindness of an individual that now opened an opportunity to even a career. And it started just with that relational aspect. But you see... There is something that God wants to do in each of our lives, a, a destiny that God does have for each of us. And we're going to look at a few passages. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. <clears throat> it says, The words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests of Anathon in territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. And through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the 11th year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over the nations, the kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant." Here we see the prophet Jeremiah being told by God that from before he was born, God had set him apart to do a work. And Jeremiah responds as I think many of us respond to the idea that God has a plan for you. And his response is basically, I can't do it. His excuse is, I'm too young. Our excuse might be, I'm not good enough. It might be, well, I don't know enough. It might be, I don't have the courage. I'm not whatever, fill in the blanks. His response to God is, I can't do it. And you see, a lot of times, the destiny that we really have inside of us, the desire to see something takes place, its first hurdle is that we feel unqualified. 
unequipped, unable to do the task that is at hand. And we think, God, you want to do a work in the life of somebody, but it's someone who's a lot better than me. It's someone who has it more together than I do. Jeremiah felt the same way. And I don't know why, but that makes me feel good. You see, God says, I will be with you. And what I think we need to understand is when God says, I will be with you, it's more than just, okay, I'm going to do this for you. It's more the sense is, I'm going to encourage you in what you really can do. Have you ever had a teacher who was really a good teacher? You know, there's the other teachers who shouldn't be teaching, right? Who just hate their jobs but show up. And then there's the teachers who really want to teach. And their desire is to help you see your potential. I love my cousin. She was a manager at a a bank. And she really did well there, but she wanted to be a teacher. And so she put everything aside because she wanted to do something that she felt would be of value. And, And as a teacher, what she does is she sees these students, and of course, in every school, just about every school, you're going to have the kids who are struggling at home, who are dealing with special needs, who are uh, a single parent family and are, you know, having a hard time in, in various ways. And she sees that, but she also sees the potential. And her desire is to help them see the potential that they have. And, and what God is doing to Jeremiah is saying, Jeremiah, you don't understand. I, from the very beginning, when I created you, put within you this ability. And don't say you're too young because I'm with you. I've put this in you. And what you need to understand and I need to understand first and foremost is God has put something of value in you. And if someone has told you otherwise, they have lied to you. And what voice are we listening to? The one that says you can't or the God who says you can Because from the very beginning, he's implanted within not only Jeremiah, but within us, abilities. He even tells us, or Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You were created to contribute to the good of humanity. It is in you. It was in you from before you were born. It's part of your DNA. You were created in Christ to do good works. And again, the question, well, what works? What am I supposed to do? Well, start with wanting justice. Showing kindness and being humble. Start with that. You see, it doesn't have to be, I'm going to go and save a nation. It doesn't have to be grand. It never starts grand. It usually starts small. So start small. 
start showing that kindness where you're at now to the people you're around. But understand that it is in you and it is your destiny to do good. It is our signature, not just as followers of Jesus, but it's what it means to be human. That's God's definition. And that's why even those who are outside of faith have a desire that drives them. When I was going to Bay St. Louis in Mississippi right after Hurricane Katrina, I took a group of people during Christmas, I think it was 2005, if I recall, and we took a group there and we put on a big Christmas celebration and we got toys and things for the kids and we put on a big dinner, Christmas dinner, because they had nothing. Some of them were living in tents still, some had trailers, but basically everything had been wiped out. And as I shared with some people that I was going to be going, people who weren't of faith, one of them gave me $200 and she says, I, I want you to take this and contribute this to the needs that are there at Bay St. Louis. And so I took the money. And when we got there, one of the things that happened was someone needed some material for a roof because they were rebuilding their roof and the material cost $200 and the $200 that she gave me went directly towards that roof that helped put it on. And I went back and I said, guess what? Your $200 put the roof on someone's house. You see, you were created for good works. And in your heart, you had this desire to do something and God was there helping it along because God is going to show us as we start walking in this destiny that he has created us for, that he was there with us all along. And he is trying to help us see, just like he was helping Jeremiah to see, I'm with you. And I'm the one driving you to do this good. And so we need to understand that the opportunity to bring people into this conversation of understanding the good and helping them to see their destiny is something that will actually help them to see God. When Genesis first started some six years ago or so, man, it's gone quick. One of the things that we had intended from the very beginning, our, our core statement is to encourage one another, embolden one another, to, let me see, embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. Our desire is to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus. And we represent Jesus by acting as he did and helping people to see how much God loves them. You know, what I needed to do as Genesis started was embrace something that I felt God was showing me, is that God loves people a whole lot more than I do. And God is working in the hearts and lives of people before I ever get there. And this drive for destiny is just one of those things that has God's fingerprints on it, that he's driving us 
to want to be something. And when we do good, it feels good. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Here's another prophet. And, and here you see similar idea as far as the calling is concerned. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away from you. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. An incredible vision Isaiah's having. The place is shaken. He, he feels undone, ruined, because he, he sees in the presence of God's holiness his inadequacy, his sinfulness. And as he's there, the angel comes and he takes this coal and he touches his lips with this hot coal. And he says, I I'm cleansing you. I'm making you able. And then the voice calls out, who shall I send? And then he responds, here am I, send me. I wonder sometimes, is it possible that you've been waiting and waiting for God to show up and do something great in your life? And all the time, God has been waiting and waiting for you to volunteer. that the greatness that it needs to be done first needs your willingness to do it. What's your will, God? What do, what do you want me to do? I, I want you to, to lead me into something great. I'm waiting, God. I, I'm just waiting on the Lord. And God's up there going, I'm waiting on you. Well, he said, God, what can be done? God's saying, look around you. You don't see anything needs being done. 
You see, we keep waiting for God to call us and we don't realize He already has. We keep waiting for God to, to bring something great in our lives and He's saying, the greatness is out before you. You just need to step into it. Well, how, God? Start by wanting what's right. Start by being kind. Start by walking humbly and, and see what happens. You know, my wife, because of circumstances that have happened in our lives and the needs that we have dealt with and she's seen in other people concerning those who are dealing with mental illness, has taken it upon herself to learn more about it. And so she goes to these NAMI classes that help deal with people who have struggles with family members who are struggling with mental illness. Because she wanted to help those who were going through similar situations that we've gone through. And, you know, you hear the term mental illness. And I don't know where your mind goes, but in so many ways, I think we have the stigma that goes along with mental illness. If someone has a mental illness, you think, oh, they're crazy. Something's wrong with them. But we don't think that about someone who has cancer. Something's wrong with them. No, we have mercy on them. We have pity for them. We want to bring them health. But we don't think the same way with mental illness. And I think one of our tasks as the church is to erase the stigma of mental illness and bring health to those who are struggling with it. What can I do? Start with what you see. And that's all she did. It wasn't a difficult thing. It wasn't like, okay, what shall I do? Let me look at, you know, go through the things of what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? No, here was something that was on her heart to do because we are driven to destiny. But the problem is we don't do anything. And we want God to do something. And God can't do something if we won't do anything. And so we need to step into the reality that there is a destiny for our lives. And it starts with you living this life where you're at. Wanting what's right. Being kind. Being humble to others. There, there's a passage in Hebrews. Hebrews 11.23 and it speaks this of Moses, says, By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. I love this passage because we, we attribute it to Moses. Moses was no ordinary child, but it was his parents who saw that he was no ordinary child. And they are the ones who had faith to defy the edict. They are the ones who put their lives in jeopardy. You see, they were no ordinary parents. And I don't believe there are any ordinary children. We, we think of it, oh, it's Moses, he's special. But I think God looks at everyone and says, no, you're special. Psalm 139.14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
He's created us in his own innermost being, knit us together. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, all of us. There is no ordinary child. Because God has knit us together. Before you were in the womb, Jeremiah, before you were in the womb, David, before you were in the womb, Ben, Put your name there. You are no ordinary child. You know, as I observe families and people and friends, I have noticed those who have children with special needs, their lives are changed probably more through that child with special needs than they are through anyone else in the world. Change for the better. They develop patience. They develop kindness. They develop things that they would never have developed if it wasn't for that child. And it affects not only them, it affects everyone around them, their whole family. And, and here, the world would say, here is something that is weak, a, a child that has limited abilities. But I see so much coming from just that child's presence that it affects everybody in a way that's dramatic. And I don't know if you family members see that the way I do, because you're living in it, but I, I see how it affects everyone for the good, because that's no ordinary child. You see, we, we deal with a world that's fallen, and we deal with the calamities of disease and cancer and the different things that happen to us, but it doesn't take away God's ability to work in our lives and produce a destiny in us, no matter who we are. You're fearfully, you're wonderfully made. And you're made for a purpose. You were created in Christ. You're his workmanship, his poem, created to do good. To do good works, to walk in those things. And it's important that we understand that our destiny is before us. With an invitation who will I send? And God is waiting for us to step up and volunteer. One more passage. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. You know, you should never give up on your future because God is the one who will meet you there. Whatever that potential is, God is able to meet you there. You might think there is nothing for me in the future and God is saying, I have something, I will meet you there. I will be beside you. I will help you. You don't understand 
I am able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. See, every one of us are designed by God to do something good. And you know what might be the only thing stopping God from doing something great in your life is that you just can't imagine it. See, so long I've heard, well, the thing that's stopping God from doing something great in your life is your sin. But the thing that's stopping God from doing something great in your life is the sin of unbelief that he wants to. It's the surrender of your will that says, I'm not going to. It's giving in to the apathy and not recognizing that you're no ordinary child, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that God has created you in Christ with a workmanship that he has intricately put his hands on your heart, your life, your mind. You have things that we need. You can contribute to the society, to your family, to your friends more than you can imagine. And the problem is just that you don't imagine that you can. And so you don't say, I'm here. Because you think, I I can't. I'm too young. My lips are unclean. I don't have the potential. And you don't realize that you were born with the potential. But now what needs to happen is you need to awaken to it and you need to step into it. If you can't imagine his power at work with you, then you'll never believe that you were created to make a difference. And you see, we crave a destiny because God has put it in each of us to desire more to have an impact in the world around us, in the people around us. God has put that in you. And there's a need around you. I don't know what the need is. It could just be showing that kindness to your friends. It could be stepping out and helping out to find out more about how you can help people who are struggling with mental illness. It could be going to Haiti and helping the children who are there in Haiti. It could be going to Mexico. There are a million things you can do. It could be taking food to your neighbor. It could be talking, giving a phone call to someone who you know is struggling with a breakup or a heartache. It it could be a million things, but once it begins with wanting what is right, showing that kindness and humility, it, it starts moving your life in a direction where pretty soon you start seeing things and you see something and it just pulls you to it. It just grabs onto your heart because you see there's a need that these people have and and there's no one meeting that need. And then you hear God saying, who can I get to meet that need? And then next thing you know, you're standing up and you're saying, I'll do it. Because I was created to do it. And the problem we have is we don't see that God has created us to do these things that will benefit the world around us. And we get so caught up in just wanting to satisfy ourselves that we lose the craving to be more. And you might think, I I can't do it. I'm not good enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm not knowledgeable enough. I don't have money. I don't have abilities. You can put all the excuses you want. 
But you have the ability to love. You have the ability to care. See, Mother Teresa isn't known because of all of her wealth. She isn't known because of all of her education. She's known because she loved. She made a difference just because she showed up and said, here I am. Send me. Where does God want to send you? What does he want to do in you? Because I can tell you for certain, he wants to do something. Will you answer the call that he's put within your heart? Again, don't get hung up on it has to be an exact thing. Start with just wanting what's right. Being kind and being humble. Start there and see what doors open up from there. Let's pray. Father, my fear is that I will get lazy, that I will get apathetic, that I will stop volunteering for the things that you want to do through me. That I'll get hung up on all the small details that I'll do nothing. When, Lord, you're calling me to do something. Lord, I believe you're calling all of us. And, Lord, even right now, as I've been talking, I believe you also have been speaking. And where my words are are reaching a certain place, your, your words are reaching deeper still. And you've begun a conversation in the hearts of some here and they already know what you are saying to them to step into and to do. There is a person or an event or a thing that came to mind that prompted, was prompted by you. So Lord, I pray right now that that voice that says, I'm too young, I'm not qualified, I'm unclean, I'm not able, would be silenced just like you silenced the doubts of Jeremiah, just like the angel cleansed the lips of Isaiah. Lord, may you take that hot coal from the altar and place it on us and cleanse us, Father from our pride, from our laziness, from our apathy. And Lord, as we hear your voice saying, who can I send? May we volunteer, step up, raise our hands, and say, I'm here. Send me. I want to do work that matters to the people I love. So Lord, may we have a heart like yours. May we embolden each other to change this world because we love like you do. And I do pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me and I'm going to challenge you in one thing. Next week as it comes by, 
I want you to think where God is asking you to step up and I want you to volunteer to something that He calls you to do. It could be just a conversation. It could be writing a card. It could be saying thank you to someone. I I don't know what it is. It could be something more. But when you hear that voice prompting you to do good, don't sit idle. Step up and volunteer. And may the God who is rich in mercy and grace pour onto your life his abundant life. May your heart be overflowing with his love for those around you. May you not see just people, but may you see not an ordinary child in each of the people that you encounter. And might you encourage them as God encourages you. God bless you guys.